A very good afternoon to you. I am Howard Feldman. This is The Synthesis Podcast. And every uh, from time to time, we chat with interesting people where we try and get some uh, different perspectives as to what is going on in our broader environment. Jan van Mullen is the uh, technology editor at My Broadband. A very, very good afternoon. And thanks for taking the time to speak to us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, so let's let's talk about this whole data breach. You know, during the time of, of, of COVID, a lot of us working remotely, we've definitely seen an increase in the number of, uh, of hackers, of uh, breaches. What is really going on? Set the, set the, the, the scene for us. Sure. And in this particular case, uh, we are looking at a, uh, a leak. It, it was initially just thought to be a leak of data, not a breach of data, from Experian, a, a credit bureau here in South Africa. And uh, it's actually a, a multinational, but um, with operations here in, in South Africa, they, they acquired a local operation called CompuScan. And um, the, the situation uh, as it was painted um, Let's actually take it from the beginning. The first thing that happened was the South African Banking Risk Information Center, SABRIC, issued a press release to say there was a leak of data from Experian affecting 20-odd million uh, South Africans, and, uh, and, and it caused quite a lot of panic. Um, when, when this press release was, was issued, as you, as you can rightly imagine. And so Experian was very quick to, to release a statement of its own saying, nobody panic. Uh, what had happened here was someone had allegedly fraudulently uh, uh, obtained data from Experian by impersonating someone. They said that they were uh, someone that they weren't uh, and, and a client of Experian's and then tricked Experian into giving up uh, or giving out the, the data that it gives out to businesses through the normal course of business, right? This is what credit bureaus do, which is what I think a lot of people didn't, uh, still don't realize, even despite this huge controversy, is this is what credit bureaus do. If you can afford to pay them and you pass their vetting process, they will sell you the data, right? It, like there's, there's no... Um, there's no, uh, nothing in, in South African law uh, stopping that from happening. And in fact, credit bureaus business is protected by South African law for good reason, because they form a critical part of the National Credit Act. Um, so if there's no way to check people's credit worthiness, which is a function that these credit bureaus provide, then how are you going to enforce some of the, some of the, 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 uh, requirements of the, the National Credit Act in terms of, uh, you know, uh, less, um, uh, 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 you know, et ethical, I guess, operators uh, extending loans to people who can't afford them. And so, you know, the National Credit, part of the National Credit Act was to, to try and deal with that problem. And so these credit bureaus fulfill an, an incredibly important function, but the, the issue of the, the, um, of the um, you know amassing and and selling of South African and not just South African but in in this particular case South African people's personal information is remains an unaddressed concern, and uh, and so I was kind of hoping that the experience saga would lead to a larger discussion about that, but instead, um, what's happened is a very strange turn of events. So Experian came out and and you know said not to panic. 
um, you know, this is all that happened. And naturally, uh, people were like, what do you mean? <laughs> this is all that happened. This is people's personal information. And um, to be clear, um, uh, the, the initial statements from Experian were that uh, no one's personal information was available on the, on the open internet. But then uh, a reporter, Tefo Mohapi at iAfrican, uh, uh, hooked up with Troy Hunt from uh, Have I Been Pwned, uh, which is a, a breach or leak, data leak notification service. You can visit them, have I been pwned.com. So it's, uh, it's a hacker term. Um, and uh, they, you can then subscribe your email address. And if your email address is picked up in, in data leaks, then this service run by Troy Hunt alerts you of it. It's, it's a very valuable service. And it's even been integrated like right into Firefox now. And I've worked with Troy before, so I can actually uh, vouch for him. Um, the, so uh, he and Tefo Mahapi worked together and found that this data is in fact available on the open internet. So uh, Tefo Mahapi then went back to Experian and said, explain this. And Experian said, yes, uh, we've discovered the, what appears to be this data on the open internet. And uh, you know, we'd, we're, we're, we're uh, working to contain the problem. But the fact is, um, much like the, the master deeds leak of a couple of years ago, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? Um, uh, people's personal information has, have now been exposed. Um, uh, but also, I, <laughs> if it's any consolation, this isn't the first time. And so part of the message I want to I tell people is that assume your ID number is no longer private. Um, mm -hmm. Treat it as if it... So this is a difficult thing. Do not go handing it out willy-nilly as if it is no longer private, still treat it as a piece of personal important but data. It, but it assume that it isn't. Yeah, but in terms of your own security practices, assume it's public, right? So do not think of your ID number as a secure piece of information that can be used as a password or even as a way to positively uniquely identify you anymore. And, and this goes out to, to not just individuals, us individuals who need to protect ourselves from identity theft, but to businesses at large in South Africa who, who work with people's personal uh, or work with people on a personal level like that and sometimes require a kind of identification mechanism and know your customer or, or something like that is uh, th th that ship has sailed. The right. ID number is, is no longer an identifier that can be used in that way. Mm -hmm. um, What's interesting to me is, is, well, you know, we speak about it's almost easier and, and less, we need to feel less responsible if we've been hacked rather than if we've been tricked. Um, this to me, to some extent, is a bit low tech. It's like right. people that, that, that uh, uh, say, oh, my, my, uh, my Facebook has been hacked, but really what happened was they were at an internet cafe or at the gym and they were on Facebook but didn't log out. That's right. actually not this quite the same thing, is it? Right, right. And and the thing is that uh, unauthorized access of uh, an online service and your accounts, it doesn't matter how it happens. Um, even if you, and, and this, uh, uh, I will say of our laws, I do believe that they recognize this. So whether a, a criminal has gone to extreme lengths to break into a system to gain access to your stuff, or whether you just left yourself, left yourself logged in and they then come and steal your stuff that way, the crime is the same. 
Right. Um, and so, yes, while, um, you know, one can argue about the levels of responsibility, uh, I, I do think it's important not to victim blame, but at the same time, make people aware um, that, you know, that they have some responsibility to take steps to, to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. It's a dangerous world out there. Um, and so, uh, you know, for the same reason that, you know, one would warn people uh, not to uh, walk around in crime hotspots uh, wearing, you know, valuable jewelry, um, you know, in, in the same way, uh, people need to treat their, their personal data, you know, and that means everything from if you use a public computer, make sure you sign yourself out, um, use strong passwords, and, uh, you know, be suspicious of, of the kinds of scams and attacks like phishing emails. So as you say, uh, this, this was a fairly low tech hack. But um, hackers I know would regard it as a hack nonetheless. It's called social engineering. And it's where someone through whatever tricks, whatever con confidence mm. tricks, a con, right? Um, would convince another party to give them access to stuff that they shouldn't have access to. And, um, uh, you know, if you listen to the guy from, um, from uh, Catch Me If You Can, mm. uh, whose name escapes me now, but uh, that kind of check fraud was half of it was a confidence scam, right? You, you trick the bank by being extremely charming and charismatic into cashing the checks for you. And, and so um, even, even a, a con, even though we've got a, a different word for it, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with calling a con a hack in, in, a, in, a, in a tech scope if someone um you know okay. uh, so goes wrong, actually because say if you leave your uh, if you are conned into sharing information via tech or if you leave your your yourself logged in on a public computer we still consider it a hack yes i would i've been very judgmental around this is what you say in a very very <laughs> nice way but but that's fine because sometimes people need a swift kick in the pants to to mm. make sure that they understand their responsibility here as well. Yes, you've been the victim of a crime, but also you must um, be made aware of the kinds of things criminals will do to gain access to your stuff and how valuable that stuff is. I think that's part of the problem is people don't even realize how valuable their personal information is. Um, and, and uh, you know, you think, oh, who am I? I'm not, I'm not you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Um, uh -huh. I'm, not, I'm not Henry Cavill. Who, who wants my personal data? But the fact is, uh, if you have a cent of money uh, that, an that a hacker can steal, they'll try. If, you know, if it's convenient for them to, they'll do it. Right. Right. Uh, it's interesting because uh, there was also the a, a, a hacker vigilante that I wanted to ask you about. Oh, right. That story. Sure. Not all hackers are bad. I, I, I'm, exactly. I'm really great. We, we get to we get to chat chat about this. So hacking has become a word synonymous with. Uh, criminal activity. And, and that's unfortunate because the genesis of the term is actually in something far more noble. Hacking uh, referred to, you know, a kind of tinkering or obsessively working on, uh, you know, something of, or usually technological in nature, mm -hmm. or finding a clever way to solve a problem or, or a workaround um, uh, to something. And, and so there are still, and uh, have always been, uh, good hackers, and uh, I would I would classify this vigilante as one with you can you can argue about the methods, 
but you, certainly the intentions seem noble. Now this hacker vigilante or a hacker Batman, uh, I, I like to call him sometimes, um, uh, went by the name the janitor, or uh, <laughs> if you'll allow me, Dr. Cyborgian. And uh, so that's a play on, on Dr. Kevorkian. Mm -hmm. And what this hacker, the reason he played, this is part of hacker culture, is this kind of playfulness with language. And uh, the reason he, he called himself those two things is because he would clean up the internet, uh, janitor, by euthanizing devices that were insecure. Wow. So, Dr. Wow. Yeah, right. So well, now so, I get the reference, the name. Yeah. And, and so part of what he did, um, and I'll get to what he did here in South Africa, but part of what, what catapulted this particular hacker to fame is the development of a, a, a virus or worm called Brickerbot. And so what had emerged was there was this massive global botnet of, I think it was like CCTV cameras or something that were left vulnerable. And what attackers would do is they would just load their, their malicious code into these Internet of Things devices and, and aim them um, at websites for DDoS attacks, distributed denial of service attacks, and you know, uh, just wipe them off the Internet. And so uh, this guy looked at this problem. He said, hang on a second. I, I think I can do something about this. And he wrote a piece of malware. I mean, regardless of uh, what you think about his intentions, this is malicious software right. that went all over the internet and uh, bricked is what we call it um these these internet of things devices the cctv cameras and whatever else um the the uh the botnet creators uh had hijacked for the ddos attacks so in other words he was denying the attackers access mm -hmm. to the vulnerable hardware by destroying the vulnerable hardware. Um, and he doesn't always destroy stuff. Uh, it so happened to be in this case that, uh, you know, that uh, in, in a lot of cases, he left the devices unrecoverable. Um, but in some cases, what he would do is he would just be really annoying. So he would, he would uh, soft brick the device. And so then you'd have to go through a factory reset process to get it back up and running again. And he would do that every couple of hours. So you get it back up and running and working, and then you just come through and do it again and do it again and do it again until hopefully eventually someone climbs in the internet and Googles, why is my CCTV camera breaking Amazing. the whole time? And then, you know, people hopefully realize, oh, there is an ongoing attack. And the reason for this ongoing attack against your hardware is that it's fundamentally insecure. Please patch it. Um, now, what the janitor did in South Africa is he specifically went after ADSL routers on the telecom network. Um, I think it was back in 2018 or 2017. It might've been 2017. And um, this is a widespread problem. Now, now only telecom was uh, mentioned and, and his only attention was on telecom, but this problem is widespread and it's not just in South Africa, um, but since we're in South Africa, that's what we care about. Um, where Internet service providers sell clients routers and then don't support properly support those routers after after selling them. And so these routers end up being vulnerable, are left vulnerable to all kinds of exploits and uh, get, you know, seconded in, in these uh, types of DDoS attacks and all kinds of untoward activity. Um, or they get broken in and uh, they get modified in a way that might even let an attacker snoop on your internet traffic, which could give them a way into your bank account. 
Um, you know, uh, I, usually not because banks are very careful and, and about these kinds of things, but, you know, with enough data and enough access, uh, you know, through these exploits, it, it might be possible to take it to the, even that level. And so, um, yeah, this uh, Dr. Cyborgian or the janitor uh, who had been, uh, you know, who, who had uh, achieved some level of global infamy for Brickabot, um, had actually turned his attentions to us here in little old South Africa and Telcom in particular to demonstrate uh, a larger global problem that, that he felt needed fixing. Mm. It's so interesting because we have a strange relationship with, with hackers. You know, if we think about the Gupta leaks in South Africa, mm. that, that changed the course of this country. If, if we didn't have that, if somebody didn't behave in a way that is very clearly illegal in terms of, of, of most or most likely illegal, how they, how they obtain this information, we wouldn't know the half of what's going on. We've seen it with, with WikiLeaks. We, we, we've seen this all around the world. But, but on the other hand, uh, it, it, it requires uh, illegality and criminality in order to, you know, to, to, to further these goals. It's a very complicated relationship, surely. It is, and and there are some some easy ways to to fix some glaring holes in legislation that criminalizes activity that really shouldn't be criminal. Um, mm -hmm. In particular, by adding a public a, 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 a in the a, in the public interest. Um, it's almost like to do around um, you know libel, you know, where, where or defamation right. of character, where we say, you know, it's true and it's in the public interest. Yes, That's exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and uh, that's the kind of thing that we could really use more of mm -hmm. in our uh, current cybercrime legislation around the world, but, but here in South Africa as well. Um, and, and certainly something I've seen my hacker friends advocate for, um, because, um, you know, even if it's something that's not uh, as uh, drastic um, or as large scale as what the janitor did across the telecom network, um, you know, it can be, for example, we've got secure, I call them security researchers now um, to distinguish between hacker and, and, uh, and, and malicious intent and noble intent, but hackers, they're all hackers. Um, and they, they would call, you know, themselves white hats or, or black hats after the, the cowboy movie, uh, old cowboy movie references, you know, in, in, in old black and white cowboy movies, the good guy cowboys would wear white hats and the yeah. bad guy cowboys would wear black hats so that the audience could see who the good guys and the bad guys were. Uh, modern cinema, it's more complicated than that because you never know who the good guys and the bad guys are. Modern life um, <laughs> yes, exactly. It, art imitates life, right? So, um, but in this particular case, you know, we've got hackers that, for example, would go through... Uh, a company's uh, databases uh, for, for, for the sake of simplicity and see where they are exposed. And then they would then try to contact the company to let them know, hey, this is exposed, you need to fix it. But you know, often the companies either ignore it or they, they don't have proper channels set up to deal with reports like this. And so it, gets, it goes unaddressed. And then these, these hackers would either leak it to, into the public domain uh, to try and force the company to act, or they go to journalists that they might have relationships with and say, uh, hi, I found this thing. Will you please responsibly disclose this uh, as, as far as you can to force this company 
to to fix this glaring security hole. And we've seen that happen multiple times in South Africa. And I've had companies that are very upset and and threaten legal action and all kinds of stuff. And I and I go, yes, you know, technically, you might be able to argue that this is illegal, but firstly, you won't get a conviction um, in in South Africa. And mm-hmm. and secondly, this guy did you a solid. Um, like he he found he found a glaring security problem in your network. He let you know about it. Um, you know, and exposed it in such a way that the minimum amount of damage could be done. This could have been so much worse for you um, than it is. And this guy didn't even charge you for the privilege. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Obviously, when you're in that situation, when you're a company who's going mm-hmm. through that, you will, especially young startups, um, you will feel uh, very attacked, very hard done by, um, by, by such a thing, um, you know, by by a hacker coming through and doing a security probe mm. of your your uh, network or online systems. Um, but uh, understand that in most cases it's not personal. Uh, these guys just happen to stumble across a security vulnerability mm. and report mm. it. They are take they are uh, taking a massive risk in a lot of cases no, because mm. but it's because it's illegal um no. yeah so sorry I, I got kind of off track there but the the the, the bottom line is absolutely there, there there is a problem where a, a lot of this gets lumped in under the same crimes as you know as as we're trying to pro, you know protect ordinary mm-hmm. people from mm. um and unfortunately yeah it, it does come down hard on on hackers who have more noble intent as well Mm. Ransomware, would you advise a company that has been uh, hacked and uh, has been uh, frozen out of their own systems, would you advise them to pay and move on and uh, just deal with the pain? Or, or on principle, would you advise people not to? Yeah, on principle, I would advise against paying ransoms. Um, but obviously, uh, principle is, is, a, is a beautiful thing until it gets confronted with reality, right? So in the vast majority of cases, um, paying the ransom is going to be a mistake because um, unless you've got incredibly technical people who can verify that, that paying the ransom will actually heal, yield the desired result, there's, there's somebody extorting you like that, ha- like once they've got your money, there's no incentive for them to unlock your files. Your files might already be deleted, for mm. all you know. And so, uh, and no, yeah, these thieves. no. And so, my blanket advice is no. But there have been exceptions, and in fact, Garmin reportedly paid a ransom recently after its network got attacked, and uh, and uh, probably set a terrible precedent. Uh, but when you're desperate and your back's to the wall. And the services that millions of people have come to depend upon are under threat, then, you know, as I said, principle is a, is a lovely thing. Um, but but mm. when you need mm. to get online and you, you weigh the cost of your services being offline against the cost of the ransom and you go, it is cheaper to pay the ransom, then who am I to judge? Right. It's a very difficult one, and uh, as you say, uh, just just take us through that Garmin situation because that I know that uh, although I look like an athlete, I'm not really, um, but a lot of my friends are, and uh, they were outraged, absolutely outraged. It was almost like the world. I think it was bigger than COVID in some circles. Yeah, it was just at the uh, either at the outset of the the pandemic or just before 
uh, this this whole thing went down. So it, it was bigger than it, it overshadowed COVID at the time. Uh, mm. Since March, though, nothing has been able to. Um, but uh, yes, uh, effectively, a bunch of a bunch of hackers attackers had got into Garmin systems, had, uh, had locked Garmin out of its own essential services. Uh, Garmin apparently picked up uh, on this while it was happening and was, uh, according to it, able to limit some of the damage. But that meant bringing all of its systems offline and, and not bringing it online for fear of it being infected with the ransomware, right? right? right. And so, uh, obviously, uh, my advice... To, to any company is always make sure that you have backups that you can fall back on so that if you are hit by an attack like this, you can just take it on the chin and say, you know, uh, whoops, uh, or not, maybe whoops is the wrong term, but- um, <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, think anyone's using whoops in this kind yeah, of but, but sort of, but like, obviously we made a mistake. There was a security hole in our systems like anyone is going to have, like, you know, it, it's almost a case of, it's not if, uh, you get mm. hacked. It's when you get hacked now, mm. and so um, because software is so incredibly complex, building software with zero security flaws is, is probably impossible. And and so you're gonna get hit, or uh, in all likelihood, will get hit by something like this eventually. If you have the necessary backups in place, then you can try to figure out where the security hole is. That's gonna be your challenge in the crisis moment is figuring out where the security hole is, fixing it, and then falling back on your backups um, so that you can avoid paying a, an extortion you know, uh, demand uh, from someone who, who really doesn't deserve it. Um, and uh, you know, unlike, unlike Garmin, uh, of course I should qualify that, Garmin has not publicly disclosed or confirmed ah. that it paid the ransom. This, this information comes from uh, sources in the industry, um, you know, with the likes of Bloomberg reporting the news. And so, um, you know, I don't think Garmin will ever officially admit, at least not for the next 10 years, that it's, yeah. that it's paid a ransom uh, because that paints a target on your back, right? Uh, the second that you uh, pay a ransom, mm -hmm. uh, you, you are advertising to other extortionists out there that you're willing to pay. Um, and so hopefully an attack like this is not just a wake-up call to Garmin, but everybody else of the kinds of uh, practices you need to put in place to make sure that if you are the victim of such an attack, that you can fall back on backups and not, uh, and, and that be cheaper than, than, than paying the ransom. That's the key thing. While we're on the topic of, of ransomware, uh, I've been using the, the new uh, anti-ransomware feature built into Windows, and it is extremely cumbersome. And so that's part of the problem is the, mm -hmm. the defenses. Yeah. yeah, the defenses against this stuff. So the, 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 the anti-ransomware thing built into Windows 10 now reminds me of how UAC, I don't know how many people remember that, but like UAC with Windows Vista when that was first introduced mm -hmm. and those annoying pop-ups come up on your screen. Are you sure you want to let the app do this? Are you sure you want to let the app do that? Uh, that's what this Windows anti-ransomware feels oh, like. It's um, extremely early days. Uh, um, and exactly. And so most people are just not going to end up using it. I've now managed to train it to the point where it seems to be working okay. Um, but 
there's uh, and uh, what I will give Microsoft is at least they've started development on this. Even if it's a if it's not a feature that's not quite ready for prime time, um, it's available. And if if people are really really concerned about uh, ransomware and ransomware protection. Uh, there's options like that that are built right into your operating system that you can use today with a lot of effort in setting it up, but it's there. Um, the, the alternative is make sure that you've got backups and not just cloud backups, right? So um, th those of us who have come to rely on Dropbox and, and, and other services mm -hmm. as sort of like a cloud backup, like I've never had to worry about uh, reformatting a machine that was giving me trouble for probably the last seven years because I know all of my critical stuff is backed up to the cloud. But smart ransomware will find those cloud attached drives mm -hmm. on your machine. If they've got enough access to your machine, they'll encrypt that stuff too. Um, so don't just rely on cloud backups. You need to make sure that you've got backups that are not attached to machines that can be compromised um, so that if you are hit by an attack like this, uh, you can fall back uh, without having to worry about losing too much data. Unfortunately, that's all we do have time for. Jan Vermeulen, editor at large, my broadband. Thank you for taking the time to speak to us. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Synthesis of Podcast. You can uh, subscribe by uh, hitting the word subscribe. It's really just as simple as that. Um, and uh, I do thank you for taking the time to watch this. Jan Vermeulen, thank you again. And uh, I look forward to our next conversation.